I'm going to go ahead and get started and, um, uh, you know, do some preliminary things while the rest of the people are coming in. But the title of this class is The Baptism in the Holy Spirit for Kids, Spirit-Filled Kids. My name is David Boyd, and if you're listening to this on tape somewhere, uh, I am at the National Office for Children's Ministries for the Assemblies of God. You can reach me at dboyd at ag.org. That's d-b-o-y-d at ag.org. And if you don't know it, the National Office of the Assemblies of God, uh, that's where you call if you have any questions whatsoever concerning children's ministries. And then we will forward you Stacy's number, and she will answer it for you. Okay, no, it's not quite like that. But we are there to serve you, so there's no question that shouldn't be asked or answered. Um, sometime you'll be the first one to bring a question to us. The, the recent movie that's come out, they have a part about this. We may not have seen it. What do you think of that? Maybe you'll bring something to our attention we need to look into. So there's no question that you can send our way that isn't important for us to hear about, to ponder, to see what materials we have to answer or what materials we need to gather to be ready to answer it when the next 200 people call with the same question, at which point we'll be trying to put it out there publicly so we get you the answer before you ask. So please use us. Call us, contact us, we'll do our best to serve you in every capacity that we can. So, one commercial before we get started. Uh, last week we booked a new summit for BGMC. Um, summits are free events that you get to go to if you're a BGMC church. The missionaries are actually covering the costs, and while you're there, you make a pledge through BGMC to, rate, to do, tackle a project for the missionary. Our lead ones are always in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Um, that one's a big one, and it's a $5,000 pledge. Come back, tackle it with your church at that one. All your expenses flying there. But we just added one specifically for this part of the country in Pigeon Forge, and it's the 1st of October, October 1, 2, 3, 4. And that one has a $2,500 project base that you would kind of pick up, but your only expense is driving to Pitch and Forge. And so it's really good for Ohio. And we haven't selected our missionaries yet, but part of the neat part of it is you get to mix with missionaries for three days, get to hear their stories, get to know them personally. Uh, it is for senior pastors as well, but primarily children's pastors are invited or, or senior pastors of smaller churches that never get invited somewhere, this is for you. We have a route room for about 35 couples. We've rented seven cabins up in the mountains. Our biggest cabin is 15 bedrooms, and then that's our headquarters, and then we have six smaller cabins around that. So if you're interested, we'll be putting together a flyer and start advertising here shortly, but I just signed that lease on Monday of this week, so... With that, it's time for us to get started. We're talking about spirit-filled kids. Father, I ask that you would anoint us during this time. Lord, it's such a key component. Kids today are up against things that you and I, uh, th that I, uh, wasn't up against when I was a kid. But Lord, I believe that today, as never before, kids have to be prepared for the attack of the enemy because it's coming at an earlier and an earlier and an earlier age. And so we ask for your favor. I ask for courage upon everyone here. This is a topic that's often a scared to talk about, and it shouldn't be. And I ask this in your name. Amen. So here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how you teach kids about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you an outline here of the scriptures that go along with it very simply. 
Um, as I have time towards the end, I'll talk a little bit about just some of the questions that come up the most uh, from adults, because some of your kids, their parents are not assemblies of God. They're going to your church, but they were came from mainline denominations or something, and so I want to give you enough food and answers to questions and all of that sort of thing, but let it be so. When Jesus offered this great gift to the disciples, he knew they would face persecution. Guess what your kids are going to face? Persecution. They are growing up in the United States of America that's becoming less and less and less Christian. Astronomically so. Ten years ago, it was an entirely different country. Ten years ago, things were wrong, and today they're right. That's how short it takes. And so your kids are going to be persecuted, very possibly, potentially. We see that in the politics today. It's turning that way. And kids are very quickly going to be, uh, 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 they're going to get a hat knocked off their head if there's a cross on it. Serious. That's That's the next step because it's already happening in so many ways as Christians are being labeled intolerant and things like that. So your kids need the power of God in every capacity. Now, I'm going to ask you, does everybody have a a set of notes that was handed out on the way in? Anybody missing that? Good. Um, Here's four statements I want you to write down. So flip over to where you've got a blank spot. I guess you can't flip it, but find a blank spot. Four statements. First one, God has a free promised gift to all Christians. I'm going to give you four statements that cover everything you're going to teach with those four statements. You can literally teach on the Holy Spirit in 90 seconds. God has a free promised gift to all Christians. Number two, you receive this gift by asking, seeking, and knocking. You receive this gift by asking, seeking, and knocking. Number three, the gift makes a Christian stronger. And I'll say those three again. Um, God has a free promised gift to all Christians. You receive by asking, seeking, and knocking. This gift makes Christians stronger. And you and everyone around you will know you have received the gift when you speak in a new tongue. You and everyone around you will know you have received this gift when you speak in a new tongue. That, in essence, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Tongues is simply the last part of it, simply an evidence. It's not what makes you stronger. It's the Holy Spirit who makes you stronger. It's a gift. It's a gift for Christians. It's not a gift for non-Christians. You're already a Christian. You're already going to heaven. It's a gift designed to help you stay on the track. It was a gift to help the disciples stay on the track not turn their backs. They already had one of the 12, Judas, who had turned his back, walked away from Christianity. This gift was to help the disciples stay on track. You get this gift by asking, seeking, and knocking. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And you and everyone around you will know that you've got filled with the Holy Spirit because you speak in tongues. So if a child goes home from camp and says, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, the parents can simply say, wonderful, and they they can watch and listen. And they'll know if it happened because the child will pray in tongues. God's very orderly. If you know in the Bible, they would lay hands on them, and when did they stop laying hands on them? 
when it happened. They sent for Paul and, you know, the disciples and said, come over here. These people want to be filled. How did they know they hadn't been filled yet? Because it hadn't happened, see. So God's very orderly. So let's kind of walk our way through this. First of all, it is a gift and a promise. You do not earn baptism in the Holy Spirit. In fact, I have found that some of my, I had bus kids in my children's ministry for 20 years or 17 I was a kid who rode the bus to church, so I always had a bus ministry. Some of the kids you least expected to get filled with the Holy Spirit got filled with the Holy Spirit because they needed it. So there's times when people say, I can't believe they got it. They, they shouldn't have got that gift. You don't earn it. It's a gift to help you get there. Okay? So... It's not, it's not anything that comes with earning. It's more God giving you something like a vitamin shot to help you stay and walk and grow as a Christian. Okay? It's a promise. You don't have to worry about never receiving it. It's a promise. God keeps his promises. I've had people that said, hey, I had one man in my children's church, not children's church, in Roll Rangers. He said, I, I was... I've been praying for 17 years, hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, wonderful, really? Wow, wow, I can't believe that. Last night when you were praying, what happened? Well, I didn't pray last night. I said, well, okay, this week when you were asking God for the Holy Spirit, well, I didn't pray this week. And I said, well, this month when you were praying, he said, what's your point? And I said, I dare you to pray every night for a month. And he made it to, to night 17. He said he was all by himself. He made a little fire in the fireplace, and he said... He said, I'm, I'm just going to ask God. He said, one more time, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. So he started to say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, only he couldn't understand what he was saying. Just like that. God's a gentleman. But neither does it happen the same way to every person all the time. So, get, you know, understand that. You only get filled once. And so that's your testimony. Never ruin it by forcing something that isn't from God. And I've counseled people who at 35 years of age wondered if they had been full of the Holy Spirit because when they were seven, somebody said, try what I'm saying. See, you never want to spoil the, the, the one testimony they have that they can talk about the rest of their life. It's God who's going to do it, not you. Okay? It's a gift and a promise. Who's it for? All and for children. Now, those verses are there, and I could look them up. Acts 1-4 talks about you receive... Or I'll, not that one, but Acts 1-4, let me read it to you here. It's very clear, very simple. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. There's the word gift. My father promised. There's the word promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Who said those words first? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus did, okay? Um, he chose the lingo, the language. He chose it all, and he said, wait, it's a gift, and it's a promised gift, and it's going to happen. You are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, okay? Nobody has ever said you will not be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and we will talk about a couple of scriptures as we have time later, but it's for all. It says more than once, all receive. This promise is for all. And then in the next verse there in Acts 2.39, it specifically says this promise is for children. Now, all is kind of an interesting word in the Bible times because in the Bible times, they did have the men sitting over here and the women sitting over here. And there were things that were for men and not for women. 
There were also things that were for men and women, but not for kids or teenagers. And there was lots of things that were for men and women, but only Jewish, not for the Gentiles, which is us. And suddenly Jesus shows up saying, it's for everybody. I as a gift for everybody. I, I imagine there's some of the guys that were a bit like, well, I haven't gotten this yet, and you're going to give it to my wife? I mean, really, this isn't the way it's supposed to work. And God was thrown open the word. So today when we see the word all, we don't know what it meant. But back then, it, women would have straightened up and said, really? It's for me? Kids and teenagers, really? It's for me? I don't have to wait till I'm an adult? So it's a big word in the Bible. So it's, it was there for purpose like that. Jesus in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift, Acts 1.40, wait for it. And Luke 24.39 says, be clothed with power. That's how he described being baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to get clothed with power. Okay? Now let's pause a second here. When you're talking to your kids, you are saying to them, God has a gift for each one of you. It's a great gift. It's free. If you're a Christian, you can receive this gift and all you have to do is start asking God for it. And when it happens, you're going to speak in a language you don't understand. Now, next week or the week after, we'll spend some more time talking about this. But right now, I just want you to pray when you're at home. Let God know. Say, God, I want this gift. Hey, my teacher says it's free. If you've got something for me, I'd like to have it. There'll be kids filled with the Spirit in their bedrooms because you spoke on it for 90 seconds. Because you're not the baptizer. He is. And when kids have faith, and when they're at home and they say, hey, God, my teacher says I have this. I'd really like to have it, Lord. I mean, in fact, if you know, I, you, know you know me, God. I, I want everybody to tell you, and all of a sudden they're speaking in tongues, you know. It's like that's, that some kids are like that, especially the outgoing ones. You know, they'll get it first. But it can happen in their homes. And, you know, that's the perfect place for parents who are on the fence. When a kid gets filled with the Holy Spirit at home. They can't say the teacher did this. They can't say that, you know, they, it's like, wow, it was right there. It happened. The kid comes downstairs. Mom, Dad, guess what happened? I just got to feel the Holy Spirit, you know. How do you know? <laughs> you know, you can teach them later. It, yeah, but anyway, it, they get filled at home, and all you did was say God has a free gift. What happens if you said I have a free gift for you, and you hold up a candy bar? What happens to the kids? Ah, right? They're the same way with the Holy Spirit. So I like teasing them. Telling them I'm going to talk about it. Telling them what I'm about to talk about. Telling them for sure, sure, I'm going to talk about next week. And in doing so, I just gave them a taste, gave them a taste, gave them a taste. And then some kids get filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, what happened to you? I talk about what happened to them. And they're like, well, that is amazing. Next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, just like what happened to him. It's a free gift for every person. All you have to do is pray. He prayed. It happened to him. Next week, we're going to talk more about it. And then more get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I still never taught about it. I've just told them it's out there. So most of us are scared to mention it because you think you have to know it all. You don't. You have to know that it's a free gift promised by God for every Christian. That you get it by asking, seeking, and knocking. It's a gift to make you stronger. And you know you get the gift when you start speaking it, the evidence to speaking in tongues. Do you have to know everything about tongues? No. Do you have to know everything about the power that comes with that gift? No. You don't think God can't teach them how to use that power? Yeah. They'll use it before you teach it. <laughs> They'll hear God speak to them and tell them to do something before you told them that there's such a thing as word of knowledge, where God speaks to you and tells you to do something. See, so kids are amazing that way. 
All of this holds true for adults too, by the way. In churches that I've been in, they would have me teach the adults, and I used exactly the same thing as I teach the kids because we're all the same way, and sometimes adults are like, well, my previous church said it was wrong, and I, I just teach them, well, then pray this way. God, if it's you, I want it. It's so simple. If it's you, I want it. You don't think God can't handle it from there? He does. And when they wake up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues, they become a believer really quick. Do they blame it on you? Nope. It's their bed, their bedroom, their prayer, their God, you know. But it's fun when it happens. Uh, I had somebody ask me once, you know, how, how old does a kid have to be to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And uh, there is no age. The Lord taught me that once because I was teaching on a, you know, when, when the pastor has a revival, it usually means the children's workers have to work hard. Everybody, anybody understand what I'm talking about? You know, extra services. Oh, no. <laughs> it will bless you all. Not me. No. <laughs> so this one time we're having extra services, and then Mary, my wife, full of wisdom, says, you've been wanting to teach in the Holy Spirit. Just do a series on, at night for whoever comes. It's like, well, thank you, Mary. And the Holy Spirit said, that's why I gave her to you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was teaching on the Holy Spirit, and we were coming to the altar time. And just before the altar time, the door opens, and two hands push a five-year-old through the door who was in the preschool department, and they were done with him. <laughs> As I'm saying, who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And the preschooler walks down, this five-year-old, with his hands in the ring. I want it. I want it. Whatever it is, he hadn't gotten my teaching, Right? He had just gotten pushed. He hadn't heard my eloquence. He hadn't heard my scriptures. You guys understand what's about to happen, don't you, right? So I did the only thing a good children's pastor could do. I said, wonderful. See, that we're going to put you in the corner right over here. You two ladies, would you go over? Yes. I don't want to. They're going to take care. They're going to pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit now who, after listening to what I've conveyed to you the last hour, feels God moving upon your spirit. Yes, six of you come down here, you know. We start to pray, and it's the only time I think I audibly heard God, and he said to me, <clears throat> that's all he said, but I knew what it meant. I looked over in the corner. Here was a five-year-old, tears coming down his face, the two girls weren't touching him anymore. They were like, you know. And I realized God's going to fill him with the Holy Spirit. He needs me. And no, he didn't. I run over there, and before I got there, he starts to speak in tongues. And before I could turn around, behind me, six people started to speak in tongues. And the Holy Spirit said, never say who's ready and who's not ready. And never think it's you. It's not you. You're just the conveyor of the message. You just put it on the plate and see who's ready to taste that morsel, right? So it's very simple, and it's very easy. And uh, I had one Sunday school teacher. She had fifth grade boys. It was her goal that no kid ever left her class that wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. And for 17 years, every boy, and we had a bus ministry, every boy was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said most of them, they were filled at home because she did that same thing. And it got to where the kids would say, aren't you ever going to teach it? Every week you say you're going to teach it. That's true. I do, don't I, you know? <laughs> but every week there's somebody who gets filled at home and somebody else will get filled. And, you know, she just 
Taste it, taste it, taste it. Because it's all praying. It's talking to God about it. See? And uh, if you are teaching it in kids' church or Sunday school or whatever, don't be afraid when you do get ready to say, now today, and we're going to talk more about it, but at the end, I'm going to take whoever wants to, we've got another classroom down the hall, and we're going to have you go down the hall, and some of the kids who are filled are going to pray with you, and I've got a couple workers over there. And then we're going to continue on with kids' church because it's not going to be everyone. Just go give them a quiet place. And some of them will get filled. Then the next week, who's still seeking, right? The beginning of kids' church. I am. Okay, you three. Who wants to pray with them? Okay, you three and two workers just go right in down the hall. Now they got the whole hour. And they're going to miss whatever you're teaching on this week, but they're out there just seeking God, seeking God, seeking God. And it happens. Kids are amazing that way. All right? Now, it says the gift makes you stronger. Let's talk about that with why do we need the Holy Spirit. A, to guide us, to teach us. To give us power and to give us boldness. Now, there's more than that, but those are four I want to talk about in the time I have. John chapter 16, verse 13. Here's what you're looking for, because the Bible talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, but we're looking for the passage that says, but when he comes... Remember, the disciples already had the Holy Spirit. They were saved, and they were doing miracles. But Jesus was saying, what you have now isn't all of it. When the Holy Spirit comes, this is what you're going to get. And there's about eight or nine places in the Bible where it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to get this. That's the promise that comes with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's other promises that say the Holy Spirit uh, you know, we'll convict you, and we'll do this, and we'll do this, and you know, he'll guide you, he'll strengthen you. He'll... There's lots of scriptures that talk about how the Holy Spirit helps a Christian, any Christian. And then there's about 10 where Jesus said, but when he comes, this is what you get. That's the difference between is the Holy Spirit with you when you're saved? Yes. Is there more of it? Yes. Who said that? Jesus did, right? So in this passage... He says, see where I'm at here, John 16, 13. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, here, see those words? When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. Okay, and it goes on to explain what that means. So when he comes, you will get a guidance from God that's stronger than what you have now. Do you think your kids need a guidance from God that is stronger than what they have now? Yes. Do you think they'll need it when they get into junior high? Yes. Will they need it when they're in high school? Yes. They will need that guide, that Holy Spirit pounding on the door of their heart, telling them what's right and what's wrong. Because there'll be other people saying wrong is good. And they need the Holy Spirit. Number two, it says to teach us. That's in John 14, 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. You see it? The Father will send this in my name. It's coming. That's the Holy Spirit. When he comes, this is what you're going to get. The Father will send him in my name. He will teach you of all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Do you think your kids need to be taught over and over again, reminded of what the Word of God says? Yes. 
and the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Spirit, you get a bigger dose of that than you otherwise get. And then to go on, it says he gives us power. That's, that's Acts chapter 1, 8. He will give you power to be witnesses. Your kids will need power. They will need boldness. That's the next one, to stand up at school. And to a teacher at some point, I guarantee it, in their life, if they go to a public school, a teacher will try and chastise them, make fun of them for being a Christian. Who in this room is a Christian? And dare somebody. Yeah, well, I know you are. But... <laughs> But if I was a teacher in a junior high classroom saying, who is a Christian? That teacher is daring that child to have the faith. But it says that when they say, tell me why you're a Christian, that God will give them the words to stay when they stand in front of authorities in power. It will not be you speaking, but God. So the little junior higher says, well, I'm a Christian because... The doctor said my grandpa wasn't going to be healed because of the cancer, and he had the cancer, and they did all the tests, and the cancer was horrible, but then all of a sudden, before they did surgery, it was gone. They opened him up. There was no cancer. They don't know what happened. They call it a miracle, and because of that miracle, God, grandpa, and when did that happen? Uh, Twelve years ago, I think, and there's no cancer. Oh, and then I also believe what happened. He did this, and, and then the Word of God says that this will happen, and it has happened, and it, you know, every time I pray and God does something, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. And the kid's like, was that me? <laughs> that's how the Holy Spirit works. It does. That's why you want your kids to be spirit-filled. And there's one thing about children's ministries, and when they're fifth grade, they're on top of the food chain, right? Then they move into the youth group. They are the bottom. They suddenly become the followers unless we have taught them to lead because not everybody in the youth group is going to be followable material. Does that make sense? But if we've taught them to lead, to be powerful witnesses, filled with the Holy Spirit, relying upon God, knowing His voice, they're going to get in there and not sway, and they'll become the leader. That's who we've been called to raise up. And we can't expect the youth pastor who gets a 13-year-old in the first month to turn them around when we've had the 13-year-old for six years. Does that make sense? We have soft clay. It's up to us to turn him into a young man or woman of God. And that's our goal. So that's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, um, well, let me talk about tongues, and then I'm going to shift over to talk about a couple of the things that happen at times. Why did God choose tongues? A, it's an evidence. B, it helps us to pray. And C, it helps us to worship. Now, the evidence, that's the key one in Acts chapter 10. It's all about the Gentiles. They didn't think Gentiles could be saved until they heard them speaking in tongues. And speaking in tongues told them they had been, in fact, filled with the Holy Spirit, which meant they were, in fact, Christians. And Peter got in trouble because everybody thought he was out of his rocker, and he's talking to the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God of Damascus or wherever. And... Uh, <laughs> And saying, it wasn't me. They, got, they started speaking in tongues. What was I supposed to do? God filled them with the Spirit. Then they must be Christians. Oh. Well, that's what God meant by all. He meant all. See? So it turned the entire church around because of the evidence speaking in tongues. Now, let me throw this out there for a second. There are those today that would say, well, I, I, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't speak in tongues. Why? Well, I remember this feeling that came over me, and it was just this wonderful, and I just know I got filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. Throughout the Bible, not only did you know you were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
But the person who was praying for you knew you'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you stand in front of a group of kids and say, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Everybody pray. Anybody have a good feeling yet? Anybody got a good feeling? You have, oh, you're hot? That could be it. That could be the, you're, how about you? You have a bad feeling. Your stomach? It, well, it could be the Holy Spirit. It might come in. How in the world would you ever teach somebody that somehow there's a feeling? See what I'm saying? Usually what happens is the person gets close, feels God's presence on them in an amazing way, and instead of continuing on, goes, hallelujah, I got it. I didn't want that other part anyway. See? They kind of are awkward about what God chose. It was his sign. Now, sometimes when I have more time, and I have a little bit of time, so sometimes I'll say, if you were God, what would you have chosen? What sign would have you chosen to show that you had received an invisible gift? I've had people say, well, uh, a Holy Spirit tattoo. Pray. Look, is it happening yet? Come on, keep praying. Watch. Wait. Oh, I think those are wingtips. Look, look, I can see it coming. It's forming, it's forming, you know. Ladies, how many of you would like to have a big, you know, crucifixion scene on your arm, sign that you'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, see? Did you know the gift he gave you was non-embarrassing? What if it was a round dot on your forehead like the, you know, certain religions have? What if it was the tattoo? Too, you know, round out. Oh, you're a Pentecostal. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Why do you have your hair down so low? Uh, no, no reason. Uh, you know, <laughs> your ball caps pulled really low. How come, you know, wasn't embarrassing. Okay, what, what else would you do? Uh, you, you start to float. That would be good. You know, play for him. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Look at him go. Ah, you know, <laughs> except at school, you know. Play basketball. Don't leap too high. Oh, no, the Pentecostal kid went off the sky again. Get back down here. You know, you see how it could be embarrassing if, you know, every time you prayed, you floated? I know it's funny, but think about it. God had to choose something, right? He chose something that's supernatural. You know it happened. Everybody around you knows it happened. But from that day forward, it's like a private, personal gift. Isn't that cool? But we're kind of embarrassed by it. Because you're on the plane, and it's like, maybe you're not on a plane. I'm on a plane all the time. You're, you're getting your hair done. There we go. I got all the ladies, at least. And, uh, and, and they're like, you go to church? Yeah, yeah, I do. What's the name of your church? Living Word, Faith, Water, and Fire Center. Oh, great, great, great. What kind of church is that? Oh, we're a Christian church. Christian church, kind of like Episcopal or, uh, no, we're, uh, we're uh, Pentecostal. And, um, and uh, <clears throat> what was that? Uh, we're we're uh, Pentecostal. Pentecostal? Yeah, what's that? Uh, we all, uh, we, uh, we, we speak in tongues. <clears throat> That's what we do. Yes, we do. Uh, you do what? We, uh, we, we speak in an unknown tongue. <laughs> Isn't that what goes through our minds? Instead of saying, we believe in the same gift that Jesus gave his disciples. A new way to pray. And we don't know how to pray. Someone's sick. We don't know what's wrong with them. We can pray in tongues. We don't understand what we're praying, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit's praying through us. Can I pray for you for anything? Do you see how the whole conversation turned if you suddenly aren't afraid of it? It becomes a powerful tool. Yeah, actually, you can pray for me. My husband just lost his job. Well, let's pray. 
And if he gets a job this week, you're going to know God answered my prayer. God. <laughs> but you don't have to worry. You're, you're just obeying God. It's, he's a big God. He can take care of his own reputation. Right? That's what it is. It's just be comfortable with it and talk about it. It's a wonderful gift. It helps us to pray. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if you look that up, it says, when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray through us in words that you cannot express, in groans that you cannot express. That's tongues. When we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays through us. Now, here's a bit that's going to make your mind spin a bit. But God said he would answer our prayers. We sometimes don't know how to pray. You have a daughter. It's midnight. She's supposed to be home at 10. You don't know how to pray. You don't know if you have to say, God, give her wisdom to leave wherever she's at and get home, or God, heal her if she's in an accident. You don't know what's wrong. You know something's wrong, right? You can pray. The Holy Spirit says, I will pray through you at times like that. And God's already promised he will answer the prayer if you pray it. Our mouth. Holy Spirit knows what's happening. God says he'll answer the prayer. Isn't that interesting? The closest analogy I can think of in, the, in, in modern day is the ships stand offshore and they can fire a missile like 40 miles. And then there's somebody on the ground with a laser and they point it at that window in that door. And 40 miles away, that missile will hit that window and that door right there. Because the person directed and then the power happens. God says, I will send the power. I will do the miracle if you pray. And the Holy Spirit says, I'll show you what to pray for. Isn't that interesting? It's not in my notes. Anyway, <clears throat> doesn't really there. And the third one's worship, Acts 2.11. The very first time people spoke in tongues was Acts, and it said all the people heard them praising God and worshiping Him. So when you are speaking in tongues, a lot of time, most of the time, you're probably worshiping God. You can feel it when you are. It feels like worship when you're just sitting here praying in tongues. feels like worship. There's other times you're praying in tongues, and it feels intent. You're probably praying at that moment for something you don't even know. There's all kinds of stories we've heard over the years, people who understood people praying. One, one missionary heard somebody at the altar naming, in speaking in Chinese, naming Chinese pastors that he knew and asking God to help them through tribulation. God can use you to pray for somebody on the other side of the world that you've never met and you won't meet until you're in heaven when they'll thank you for your prayer that you didn't know you prayed. Isn't that a wild one? But probably when you get to heaven, you'll understand all those tongues, and you'll wish you prayed it more. Isn't that cool? So anyway, when you speak in tongues, you're usually praying, you're usually worshiping. But it is the evidence that proves you have gotten filled with this special gift that God gave to us. Now, let me ask you to read something here. One of the passages that will confuse many parents, especially if they were Baptist at one time or those kinds of things, a passage found in 1 Corinthians 13, they'll always say, what about 1 Corinthians 13? So let's go there and look at what they're reading and what it actually says and means. Um, I'm in John, 1 Corinthians 13. It's talking about love, how important love is, and God goes on to say, this is verse 8, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. 
where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And there are those that will say, aha, all that stuff was for then, it's not for today, right? It goes on to say, um, where we, uh, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Immediately, they will say the only perfect thing is the Bible. The Bible came. We don't need all that junky stuff anymore, which is somewhat logical if that's as far as you go. But there's one other person that's perfect. His name is Jesus. They would say when the Bible comes, these things are going to pass away. And we would say when Jesus comes, these things will pass away. Now, how do you determine which? Well, in theology, they say, read more. As soon as you stop, you have a good chance you're missing the meaning, right? So, it goes on to say this. Find my spot again. Um, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. Aha! Tongues is talking like a child. You childish people, you. That's what we would be called. I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the childish ways behind me. Uh Aha, so I got my Bible. I'm now a man. I don't need to talk like a child. You see how that fits, you know, one side of that so well? But that's when it gets cloudy. When I became a man, I put childish things behind me. Now that I have the Bible... Or now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then, now put the Bible in there. But then we shall see face to face when the Bible comes. Now I know in part, but then when the Bible comes, I will know fully even as I am fully known. It doesn't make sense. So back up and put Jesus in there. Now we see but a poor reflection. But when Jesus comes, we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but when Jesus comes, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Do you see how much better that fits with the whole passage? That when perfection comes, when Jesus comes, we aren't going to need tongues, we aren't going to need prophecy, we aren't going to need healing, we aren't going to need miracles because Jesus came, but love will still be there. That's the difference between Pentecostal theology and what would be considered a Baptist or an anti-Pentecostal. It's all this one passage. But then Acts chapter 2 also says all of this stuff is going to happen up until the great notable day of the Lord when Jesus comes back. So in Acts chapter 2, it says there's going to be signs and wonders and miracles and healings and dreams and visions and speaking in tongues and powerful things all up until Jesus comes back. So that scripture, again, clearly states that all this is going to happen until Jesus comes back. So you're not going to argue that out with people, but it does help you if you ever get with that one-on-one parent who's hungry but who's stuck on that one teaching that they were taught with earlier in their life. This sort of thing your kids aren't going to care about, aren't going to know about it. They trust you. You trust the Word of God, and they're going to continue on. But that's helpful for you to understand that passage, okay? So receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if I asked you, well, let's just try it. If I were to say to you, ask and you shall receive, seek and ye shall knock and the door shall be opened, right, unto you. We use that scripture all the time for everything except 
baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're seeking healing, what do you do? You ask, you seek, you knock. You want a new better job? You ask, you seek, you knock. You want a spouse? You ask, you seek, you knock. You want to get rid of your spouse? You, you never mind. Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> you want to heal your spouse, I meant to say. You want to cure your spouse, I meant to say. Oh, no, and this thing's recorded. Please back up five seconds on that for me. We use that scripture for everything. However, Luke chapter 11, verse 9, I put that in there, says that. Ask, you will be given. You seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be opened. You, that whole thing. How much more will your Father in heaven give in the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What's it talking about? The Holy Spirit. Now, let me give you a bit of theology again. It's in Scripture three times. Only once does it go on to mention the Holy Spirit which means you have to figure out which one came first, and they're not really clear on that. So Jesus was either using this teaching he'd already taught and say, the same way you pray for your healing is how I want you to pray for the Holy Spirit, or this came first, and it actually was talking about the Holy Spirit, and later he said it also works for healing. But either way, the teaching here is Jesus said, that's how you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You ask, you seek, and you knock. Now, how long do you ask? How long do you seek? Let's just say longer than asking. There comes a point after asking you start seeking, right? And you know there comes a point after seeking that you start to pound. You're right? You know what I'm saying? Somebody is sick, you ask, and then pretty while you're seeking and you're fasting, and then pretty soon you're pounding and you're saying, God, please, we need a miracle, right? There's this, that's what he says about the Holy Spirit. Ask him, keep asking him. If it doesn't happen, start seeking him. If it doesn't happen, start knocking, start pounding. Remember his parable about pounding until the guy wakes up, right? He's saying, you just keep on, keep on, keep on. It's going to happen. Don't get discouraged. There's a reason why. Now, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I'd prayed for two weeks. I was about 13. I'd ridden the, the bus to church, and... Um, and so I was seeking the Holy Spirit, and we, we were going on Sunday nights, too, and, you know, we were really connected in the church, but uh, Dad didn't come particularly, so we just, the bus brought us, our family, there was five of us at the time, and uh, it took me two weeks, I remember praying, and, you know, that was three Sunday nights, I got filled on the third Sunday night. I remember specifically being up there and saying, God, please let them let go of my arms, they're killing me. I remember praying that, you know. Because people were holding my arms up in the air and my arms were killing me. Please make the pain stop, you know. Finally, they got discouraged and I could pray. <laughs> don't, don't take that wrong, but you know what I mean. So, um, but I remember at that point praying and then there was a moment of faith for me. It was faith. It was like, God, I prayed for two weeks. I know you want to get, I know you want to fill me. I'm ready. <sighs> and out it came. To me, it was this step of faith. I remember specifically taking a deep breath, knowing that I was going to give those, that rest of it to him, and it wasn't going to be English. I was going to speak, but I wasn't going to put no English words there, right? And it happened. Two weeks, which isn't a long time, but it's not a short time. And uh, so I went home that night, and my eight-year-old brother was there, seven, seven, eight, and uh, he said, I want to be filled with spirit. I said, you can't. It's free. It's for everybody. You have to seek, you have to pray, you have to knock. Can I do it right now? Yes, you can pray right now. This can be your very first night of a long journey of you seeking God for this great gift. Boom, he starts speaking out in tongues, you know. 
I was two weeks. My brother was two minutes. Kids really love that one, you know. But we're telling the kids, everyone's different. I've had kids at kids camp. We're so close. Why, God? Why didn't they get filled with the Holy Spirit? Only to find out they got filled with the Holy Spirit within 10 minutes of walking in the door at home. They just walked into their parents and said, God's doing so many things with me, Lord. And then, boom, all of a sudden they start speaking in tongues. God wanted to save it for home where they were comfortable, where their parents got to see it happen. He has a reason and a way and a purpose, and our job isn't to hurry it. Our job is to present it and keep them praying and keep them hungry for Him. Isn't that cool? It really is neat. And um, so that's why we, we ask and we seek and we knock. It's not a, it's not a short-term thing always. Adults always take longer than kids because analytically they're trying to figure out all the things they could do wrong. What if I speak and it's not God? What if I do this? God? How do I know when he's going to do that? How do you know? You know, kids are, you know, crazy. They're like, how'd you get filled? Well, I heard these words in my head and I said them, you know. How'd you get filled? I saw these words running across my face. You know, I see these letters. Really? You know, it never happened to me, you know. Or, you know, it just happened. Or I was there and then, I don't know, I woke up and it was there. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was scared. There was a noise in the room. And every time I stopped to listen, it stopped too. You know, they're just so cool. And the parents are all about, okay, what if I do it right? And you're not. So about, about two months ago, I had a kid, um, a young man. He, I say kid. To me, he's a kid because I'm so old. Anyway, he's about 26. And he's an MK, which means preparing to be a missionary. But he's 26. So he could be a missionary by now, but he's an MK. So we were sitting at his table, and uh, we're asking about him. I'm an MK. I'm going to be a missionary someday. Really? I said, you're 26? Yeah. So how, are you ordained? Yeah, I'm ordained. You know, no, he wasn't ordained yet. Uh, I said, ordained? No, well, not yet. I said, and I said, so, so what's your next step? He said, I got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, oh, he said, I've been praying for all these years, and until I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I can't be a missionary. Oh. And I said, well, listen, won't you? I'm in my office on Friday, make an appointment, come in, let's talk about it. Oh, I'd love to. So we come in. He sits down, and I said, so tell me about the Holy Spirit. He said, well, glossolalia first started in the 1440s with the, you know, it's like glossolalia. I didn't say anything about tongues. I asked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, but he's telling me about tongues. So then I did something I'd never done before. I don't know if it's good or bad or right or wrong, but it worked, and it was probably of God, but you can't always claim everything of God. He's single, and I said, okay, I want you to do me, do me a favor here. I want you to take 60 seconds. I'm going to time you, and I want you to pray for a wedding ring. You trust me? He said, yeah, so pray for a wedding ring. God, you know I've always wanted a wedding ring. Um, I would put it on my finger and I would show everybody that I'm married. Um, I don't really care if it's silver or gold, just the wedding ring. And he's like praying like this, you know. And they said, good, now take 60 seconds. This time I want you to pray for a wife. He says, okay, God, you know how badly I want a wife. I want a partner to spend the light. And he's a right, right? And I said, you're not asking God for the comforter, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be your partner the rest of your life. You're asking God for a wedding ring. God, I want to speak in tongues. That's not what you pray. The Bible says God has a counselor that will be with you forever, a friend, a guide, a, a, a comforter. 
you know, and you're saying, God, if you have something, a gift to make the disciples better, stronger Christians, if you have a closeness with the Holy Spirit that I don't have, I desire this closeness with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want more of you in my life. Jesus, you said you would send me this gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want. I said, you don't have to mention tongues. Just like a wife, you don't even mention the wedding ring until she's already yours. She's not going to say yes, depending on how big the ring is, right? And so I said, now, because it was like kids camp, I said, we'll meet again next week. I just want you to pray when you go home and just keep praying, and then next week we'll talk again. And he called me five days later. He said, I was in the shower. He said, at first I thought water was in my mouth, can we talk? <laughs> so we talked, and, and I said, that was the Holy Spirit. He said, we can both pray right now. Let's just pray right now, right now. Let's just pray that God will continue to guide you throughout your life and he'll help you be a missionary. And I said, I'm going to pray in tongues. You pray in your tongue language. And boom, I began to pray. I didn't give him a chance. He just boom, boom, boom. And so he started speaking out in tongues, and we just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. It's just between you and God. It's not something you learn. It's not something you study. It's a gift that he wants to give, but he wants to know you want it. Now, when I talk to kids, I'm often saying, uh, how does your parents know what you want for Christmas? And they all got their answers. In fact, I've had kids blurt out the answers so loud, so boldly, and then realize their parent was in the room. I go up to my dad, and I go real close to him, and I kind of hug him a little bit, and I look up like this. Normally, I cut my head just a little bit, and I say, please get. Oh, no. <laughs> she gets real. Dad's like, is that what you do that on purpose? You look cute on purpose? Yes, I do. You know. I said, so how do they know what you really want versus what you want? Well, you just want it, you ask once. But if you really want it, you circle it, and you point it out, and you show them, and you tell them, and you, that's the Holy Spirit. I really want it, God. I really want it, God. I want it for this reason. I want it for this reason. Hey, I prayed last night, but I'm going to pray again tonight. And I prayed for three days. I'm going to pray the fourth day. God, I really want this. That's how you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Kids understand that language. They know how to plead on, plead on the edge of begging. <laughs> it's almost what it is. Now, when kids are at the altar, um, and I do a lot of camp speaking, when kids are like going, please, 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 I don't think they're praying. They're crying. They're not praying anymore. They have to be articulating sentences. God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to live for you the rest of my life. I want to be a better Christian. I want to have what the disciples had. That's praying. Okay? So when I pray, I let them pray, but I'm listening to their prayers. Because if I see them sliding off the edge, I stop them saying, hey, you're praying so good. I'm just so happy. What do you want God to do with you? Well, I want to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, why? Well, because it'll guide me and it'll give me strength and it'll give me boldness. And what do you need boldness for? Well, my dad's not a Christian. I want to tell him about Christian. Oh, that's really good. Let's, let's pray that right now. Let me pray with you. God, she wants boldness so she can tell. Yes, yes, yes. She's praying whenever she yeses your prayer. You got that? They don't know what to pray yet. So when you pray for them, they'll yes it. And that counts. They're saying, God, that's exactly what I would have said if I knew what to say. So you're always praying these prayers over your kids, not just for the Holy Spirit either. God, Billy's down here, and Lord, Billy loves you so much, and 
Boy, he gets angry sometimes, but he wants you to help him not be angry. Yes, God. Yes, God. I don't want to be angry, God. I don't. He wants you to help him, God, that, that Lord, if he starts to say something, if a bad word starts to come out of his mouth, that you'd stop him. Yeah, God, please stop me, Lord. Please stop me, Lord. And if he doesn't stop and he says it anyway, God, have his mom spank him. Yes, God. <laughs> See? But, but you pray those prayers. They're powerful. You know how to pray. They don't. So those are the kind of praise. Now, when they go home, they remember what you prayed, and then they pray them. So you are depositing prayers inside of them that they will remember, and they will go home. And I promise you that half of your kids will get filled at home. It just seems to happen that way. They're comfortable. They're alone. They're quiet. And God wants to show the parents that this was not forced on them. So be very careful never to force it on a kid. Never say, hey, listen to my words. Never say, try, abba, 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 abba. Faster, 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 abba, 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 abba. Faster, faster, you're almost getting, abba, 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 abba. That's it, that's it, that's it. No, it's not. Okay, all you did was shove them forward to something God was going to beautifully give them in a little while. But now the rest of their life, my teacher told me, abba, 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 abba. Now imagine explaining that to the teacher at school. That's how you Christians get filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody tells you to make sounds and make them fat. I knew it. I knew it. You spoil so much for the kingdom of God when you do that. So don't do it. Okay? I have three minutes. Any questions? There might be a question I didn't cover. I just want to give you a second to see if there's something out there that I can answer for you. This is a guideline. I want you to look up each verse. If you're going to teach on this, pray about it. Ask God when and how to deliver this to your kids. You might have bus kids that parents aren't, aren't, don't know much about your church. Don't worry about it. God's big enough to take care of his own kids. If they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you can also tell them this isn't designed to go home and tell everybody, look what I can do. It's, a, it's more of a private thing. And when you're ready, you can start talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, or the gifts of the Spirit, which is a different topic. But yes, ma'am. Same thing. No. Tell them you're seeking too. You can just tell them, be honest with them. Hey, this is in the Bible, and I'm... I want to be like the disciples, and I'm hoping this happens to me someday. So at night, I pray this prayer. I say, God, if it's you, I want it. It's okay. I get, there's always people and adults who get filled every time we teach kids. Kids camp, there's always adults who get filled. And you can be down at the altar as an altar person praying for this kid to get filled, and, the, and, and you're not filled yet. But there's something about getting in the proximity of that power that, that changes it. So, yes. First of all, in this lesson, you saw I spoke in tongues a couple times, but very short. I try not to do it in an out-of-the-context way. So when I am teaching kids about what it sounds like, I usually do it at prayer time. 
I said, now we're going to pray over these kids right now that are wanting God to touch their lives. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to speak in your prayer language, and I will too. And those of you that aren't filled in, your, in the Spirit, just pray in English. Ask God to heal them or help them, whatever it is. But then they get to see several people at once. It's always better because they mix up. It's harder to just pick one. Uh, and they see the use of it. Praying for the sick is a perfect use of it. So I try to limit how much I actually do it in front of them. Now, when I'm praying for them, there are times when I'm praying in English and I start praying in tongues. Um, that There's a power there, I believe. The Holy Spirit knows why they are waiting. What's the holdup? So sometimes I think there's a power when you pray in the Spirit. There's definitely a power when a kid's filled and having that kid pray for the next kid. I mean, there is power there, you know. When you get a first kid, he is your secret weapon. Johnny, go pray for him right over there. Billy over there, number seven. <laughs> and he goes over there, and he's been counting how many he's helped through to the power of God, you know. There is something powerful about those kids that get filled. There really is. Other questions? I saw a couple of hands. These are good questions. The baptism and the Holy Spirit, uh, the gifts of the Spirit comes next. I can tell you that typically the first one that happens to kids is the word of knowledge, where they get a word that they know is from God. And we tell them when you hear that word that comes from God, tell an adult. Let them confirm that what you heard was God, because you can also have a kid just think he heard something. But when a, a kid comes to you and say, you know, I've had kids testify that God spoke to him at school, said, your mom's had a bad day. Go home, clean the house, and tell her that, that um, it's all going to be okay. Usually, the gift of, of knowledge comes with an instruction. It says, God says, you know, uh, your older brother isn't living for Jesus. Would you write him a letter? There's a fact, and then there's an instruction. And that usually seems to be the one the kids get first. Second one is usually word of, of, of wisdom. That one was knowledge, something you didn't know. And wisdom is they start to speak way beyond their capability. Wisdom flows out of their mouth, like I mentioned earlier in that setting. That brings me to the end of my time. I thank you so much for your patience. I pray that God will use you to go home. Don't be afraid. Tell your kids there's something else on the plate. God bless.